Welcome to Murder Minute. These are your true crime headlines. A set of human remains discovered last year in Vermont have been identified. On September 17, 2019, police were called to investigate the discovery of a human jawbone in a gravel pit. A subsequent investigation revealed additional human remains at the site. Through DNA analysis, Detectives identified the remains as those of 43-year-old missing woman Jessica Hildenbrandt of Boston Spa, New York. Hildenbrandt was last in touch with her family in July of 2019 and was known to spend time in southern Vermont, where an ex-boyfriend lived. Shortly before her disappearance on April 1, 2019, Hildenbrandt posted an apology on her Facebook page to friends who had been, quote, hurt through my insane, toxic relationship. Hildenbrandt's death has been ruled a homicide. The cause of death has not yet been determined. In Struthers, Ohio, a gunman walked into a home and opened fire early Monday, wounding four adults and killing a four-year-old boy. According to authorities, two men were in critical condition, one of them on life support and two women were shot in the legs, one of them the mother of the boy who was killed. The shooting happened at around 2 a.m. when the women said a younger, thin, light-skinned black man wearing a black jacket barged into the living room of the house and opened fire. According to police chief Tim Roddy, the boy, identified as four-year-old Rowan Sweeney, tragically died in his mother's arms. At a press conference Monday, the boy's father, David Sweeney, called upon the shooter to turn himself in, telling the shooter, quote, Just turn yourself in. Just be a man. And at 8 p.m. Monday evening, police announced that they had arrested a suspect. 24-year-old Kimoni Bryant turned himself in and is being held in the Mahoning County Jail on aggravated murder charges. He is being arraigned on Friday. Authorities have identified a man whose body was found last week in a burning ditch in rural central Iowa. At around 5.30 p.m. last Wednesday, authorities responded to reports of a fire in a ditch near Kellogg. Officials quickly extinguished the flames and then found a man's body. The Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation has identified the body as that of 44-year-old Michael Williams of Grinnell. William's death has been ruled a homicide. The cause of death is not yet known. On Monday, Grinnell College canceled classes in light of William's death, noting that some people in the community fear that Williams, who is black, may have been targeted because of his race. Grinnell College President Ann Harris wrote in a statement, quote, This stark and brutal murder in the national context of racial injustice has struck intense fear for safety of our black, indigenous, and people of color, colleagues, friends, and families. Those are your true crime headlines. Up next, a quick break. These days, I'm cooking most of my meals at home, and I'm always looking for healthy food without the hassle. 
That's why I became a Thrive Market member. Thrive Market has the best selection of high-quality, healthy, and sustainable products online. Thousands of wholesome food, home, and beauty products curated just for members. You can find everything you need. Organic and essential groceries, clean beauty, safe supplements, and non-toxic home. Plus ethical meat, sustainable seafood, clean wine, and more. And all of Thrive Market's products are ethically sourced. Thrive Market is making healthy living easy by delivering organic and sustainable groceries right to my door. They even take the guesswork out and make it easy to shop by diets and values like keto, paleo, gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO, fair trade certified, BPA-free, and more. As a member, I'm saving 25 to 50% off traditional retail prices, and I can schedule deliveries with AutoShip, edit my items, change the delivery dates, or skip a delivery at any time. It's so simple. They even have all the supplements, treats, and healthy food I need for my cat. But the best thing about Thrive Market is that it's not just good for my body, it's good for everybody. When you join Thrive Market, you give back. Through Thrive Gives, their one-for-one -one membership matching program, every paid membership sponsors a free one for a low-income family. Plus, orders of $49 or more are shipped for free and delivered with carbon-neutral shipping from their zero-waste warehouses, so it's good for the planet as well. Skip the store and the lines and get your favorite organic and non-GMO brands at guaranteed savings delivered right to your door. Once you try Thrive Market, you'll love it as much as I do. Go to thrivemarket.com slash murderminute. Join today and you'll get a free gift of your choosing up to $24 in value. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash murder minute to start your risk-free membership and get a free gift today. That's thrivemarket.com slash murder minute. We talk a lot about physical health and mental health, but what about sexual health? Whether you hit the gym, take a walk, or meditate, if you want to take care of your whole self, you need to prioritize your pleasure along with your body and mind. Put your well-being first with Dipsy. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories and guided sessions that are designed to turn you on and help you get in touch with yourself. The stories are relatable and immersive, so that you feel like you're right there. And there's something for everyone, whoever and whatever you're into. Find stories about a spontaneous hookup with a hot stranger, getting closer with that sexy yoga instructor that you can't stop thinking about, or even stories about trying that new toy together or getting tied up. Dipsy adds new content every week, so there's always more to explore. Spice things up today with Dipsy. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash mm. That's a 30-day free trial when you go to dipseastories.com slash mm. What are you waiting for? 
go to dipsystories.com slash mm. Hello, I'm investigative reporter Robert Riggs, creator of the new True Crime Reporter podcast, an original co-production with podcast ad reps. We kick off True Crime Reporter with a series called Free to Kill. It's about the worst sadistic sexual serial killer in Texas history, and you have probably never heard of him. One day after he walked out of prison on parole, women's bodies started turning up. Now, 30 years later, you can hear the inside story of how a Texas posse hunted down this diabolical killer and how I uncovered a corrupt system that set him free. Here's a preview of the True Crime Reporter podcast. His eyes were dead. Um, His eyes had no spark of life, had no um, humanity in them. There was something wrong with the guy. And I don't mean psychologically, I mean in his creation. Evil walks amongst us. Don't kid yourself. It comes calling when you least expect it. They were small females that he could easily manhandle. Some of them he would be able to pick them up by the throat, get their feet off the ground where they couldn't fight him. I had a front row seat to evil during 30 years of investigative reporting. I'm Robert Riggs. I created True Crime Reporter to tell the backstory of cases you may never have heard of before. Austin had never had torture, kidnapping, torture, brutalization uh, by a serial sexual sadist. I pulled out my reporter's notebooks. My law enforcement sources opened up their case files. We sat down to talk, and you can listen to our journey into darkness. I've dealt with serial rapists and murderers and, and all sorts of people, but This guy was just a sexually sadistic killer that had no conscience and was a true sociopath. Be advised that this podcast is for a mature audience and not for the faint of heart. Some episodes may contain profanity and graphic details of violent crimes. To follow True Crime Reporter, text True Crime to 33777. Text true crime, that's two words, true crime to 33777. With that said, here we go on another journey into darkness. A Houston television station ran a regular news feature titled City Under Siege. It was no exaggeration. In 1990, the entire state of Texas was under siege. My reporter's notebook and newspaper clipping file illustrate the crime problem. In Houston, an ex-con and his accomplice ran low on gas, so they carjacked a woman stopped at a traffic signal. The ex-con shot the 22-year-old mother in the face with a 30 caliber carbine, pulled her from behind the wheel, ran over her body for good measure, and sped away with a full tank of gas. The parole board had released her killer three weeks earlier. During a routine traffic stop, an ex-con stepped out, took aim with a 357 caliber revolver, 
squeezed off rounds into a motorcycle officer's chest, calmly walked around the car, stood over the officer, and fired two more slugs into his head. The parole board had turned the killer loose from prison a month earlier. His rap sheet listed seven prior felony convictions. The killer had served only 13 months of a 15-year sentence for sexually assaulting a child before he was allowed to walk out of prison. In Plano, an affluent suburb of Dallas, a little girl played on a merry-go-round while her mom watched her brother play in a soccer tournament. A convicted child molester abducted the little girl, murdered her, and participated in the massive search after she went missing. He was out of prison on parole. Yet another ex-con, known as the Austin Choke Rapist, strangled and raped a 16-year-old former Miss Teen Houston contestant. The parole board had released the rapist six months earlier. He only served eight years of a 156-year sentence for choking 33 college students unconscious before he raped them. Every 20 minutes in Houston, a parole convict ransacked a home, assaulted a neighbor, stole a car, or committed some other crime. No one was immune, not even the district attorney. Thieves stole his car. Sex offenders exposed themselves to his daughter not once, but twice. You didn't have to be a genius to see a pattern here. Violent ex-con serves a fraction of his sentence. The parole board sets him free. Within a few days, he unleashes murder and mayhem. This is the story about the parole of one of those notorious ex-cons, the broomstick killer, the most sadistic serial killer in the history of Texas. I pulled out my reporter's notebook. My law enforcement sources opened up their case files. We sat down to talk, and you can listen to our journey into darkness. He was the devil himself. I mean, he was, uh, he was the epitome of a cold-hearted, heartless, evil, dirty son of a bitch. That's the voice of Parnell McNamara, a Texas lawman from a long line of U.S. Marshals. When I first met McNamara and his brother Mike, I felt like I was back in the Old West. The McNamaras were on the trail of the most sadistic serial killer in the history of Texas, Kenneth Allen McDuff. And I was right behind them, uncovering how McDuff got out of prison on parole. McDuff drove hundreds of miles, day and night, searching for his prey, petite women who could not fight back. She was an accountant. She was a beautiful, sweet person. Uh, she had been to church that night and had stopped to wash her new sports car. McDuff spotted 28-year-old Colleen Reed at a self-serve car wash in Austin shortly after Christmas of 1991. He circled the car wash. He watched her through his dead, shark-like eyes. He drove his big, tan Thunderbird coupe into a wash bay and slipped up behind her. Most all of his victims were, for whatever reason, brunette, and they were small females that he could easily manhandle. Some of them he would be able to pick them up by the throat, get their feet off the ground where they couldn't fight him. Neighbors heard a shrill scream. 
car doors slam, and saw McDuff and his accomplice speed away. When police arrived, they found Colleen's keys in the ignition, her purse on the seat, soap still dripping from her car. In a split second, Colleen Reed vanished, never to be seen alive again. Gary Laverne, the author of Bad Boy from Rosebud, The Murderous Life of Kenneth Allen McDuff, recalls the impact of Colleen Reed's murder. Austin had never had torture, kidnapping, torture, brutalization uh, by a serial sexual sadist. It was it was something that uh, you know you might have heard about um, in California or in you know, New York or someplace, but not in Austin, not even in Texas. Texas has a lot of it has a lot of gun violence and so forth, but this wasn't even that. This was just pure brutality. And when it was made when it was made public, um, it 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 traumatized this city. It was during that time period that um, you 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 could pick up the paper on any day or turn on the television and somewhere Houston, Dallas, particularly Houston. The lead story was a stranger on stranger crime, horrific violence. Uh, you know, there were even women dragged out of traffic. It, mm-hmm. it stopped at lights. And it would always, the tagline would be, they were out on parole. Mm-hmm. Describe to me that that climate back at the time, that time. What was going on? Because you think of Texas being a law and order, but it was just the, the uh, criminals were having a field day. Well, from a political science standpoint, it was a surreal time where you had the conservative view that government spends too much and was too big. So you add to that the federal case, the Ruiz case, in which a federal judge basically takes control of the Texas prison system and says you're unconstitutionally overcrowded. And so the... um, the, the judge basically says you can either build prisons or you can uh, relieve that overcrowding. And the only way the state of Texas can do that is through parole. So thousands upon thousands of people uh, who were once in prison were let out. And, it, and of course, at first, the, the con artists and mm-hmm. the, um, the nonviolent criminals, they, they were... Yeah. They were and set, then they get to the bottom of the barrel. And then they get to the bottom of the barrel, and now you're dealing with rapists and, and murderers and people who were before the Furman case that turned all death row uh, inmates into lifers. Um, now they're eligible for parole. Now... No one believed way back in the 1970s when Furman v. Georgia happened that we would be crazy enough to parole someone who was once on death row, but that's what happened. Here's the backstory of what happened. I learned that the parole board had released 63 former death row inmates. Actually, the correct number turned out to be 85. Triple killer Kenneth Allen McDuff was among them. But another triple killer drew all of the attention and outrage. Leonardo Lopez, 
convicted of capital murder for executing three sheriff's deputies. Do you remember your shock? I was infuriated. I wasn't shocked. I was just outraged. I couldn't believe they would let those kind of people out. Senator Ted Lyon, the chairman of the Senate Criminal Justice Committee, obtained the list of the death row inmates who had been paroled. He gave it to me and urged me to make it public. Leonardo Lopez and his accomplice committed the Trinity River Massacre in 1971. They took five sheriff's deputies hostage, drove them to the banks of the Trinity River in Dallas at night, executed three deputies, gravely wounded a fourth, a fifth narrowly escaped gunfire. The massacre spawned the biggest manhunt in Texas since Bonnie and Clyde. The murders were personal for Senator Lyon, very personal. Lyon left the Senate in 1993. Three decades later, we sat down in his law office to discuss the case. You were familiar with the Lopez case. Just, just tell us how bad was it? Well, I was a young police officer in Mesquite, Texas. Uh, I think I was about 21 years old. I'd just become a police officer. And I happened to work with one of these sheriff deputies in Dallas. The sheriff deputies would come out here and the investigators, and if they had to go serve a warrant or something mm -hmm. like that, normally they'd get the local, or they'd come by the station. And one of those officers that was killed, I actually had worked with him on a case. And so, you know, it hit the news like a ton of bricks. Back in those days, Texas politicians talked tough on crime. They passed dozens of anti-crime bills, but they rejected building more prisons to relieve overcrowding. County sheriffs could not transfer convicted criminals to the overcrowded state prisons. Riots broke out. Republican Governor Bill Clements, a Texas oil man, responded by opening the prison floodgates. No one saw the crime wave coming. It was inconceivable. They, they, didn't, they said they were for law and order, but they really weren't. All they cared about was the bottom line, the budget. They didn't want to raise taxes. And they had to raise taxes to build the prison cells that were necessary. And it was all about that. It was all about this, we're not going to raise taxes. And they campaigned on that. And then when, it, when they got into office, they found out, oh, my God, we got this problem with the prison system. We're just going to have to let these people out. It doesn't matter who they are. That was, that was what happened. The governor appointed members of the parole board. It was a plum political job. It required no criminal justice experience at all. The board released 150 inmates a day, 750 a week. They claimed the board was not under political pressure, that it was just an unspoken quota. It worked for a while until they ran out of hot check writers and petty criminals. Then the parole board scraped the bottom of the barrel. That's where they found the two triple killers, Leonardo Lopez and Kenneth McDuff. The Pro Board also scraped the bottom of cell blocks called Administrative Segregation, or ADSEG. It's a prison within a maximum security prison, reserved for the most dangerous inmates. The first time I walked inside an ADSEG unit, the angry screaming and shouting reminded me of a pinful of vicious pit bulls. Guards wore raincoats to protect themselves against flying spit, urine, and feces. Author Gary Laverne recalls when he went inside an ADSEG unit to interview 
a mass murderer. What's really scary is when you go out into the general population of any of the other prisons. And, as, and I went down to administrative segregation, high security administrative segregation. The prison within a prison. The prison for the prisoners, exactly. And now that was scary. Uh, and I was glad to get out of there. When ADSEG inmates received parole, Guards locked them in handcuffs and leg irons, drove them in a cage prison van to the nearest bus station in the dead of night, handed them a bus ticket to freedom. What did that say about life to you at the time, the value of life? It was horrible. I mean, the most hypocritical person in the world is the person that says, oh, I'm, you know, in Dante's Divine Inferno, there's seven layers of hell in this book. And that each layer gets hotter and hotter, but at the very bottom of hell, there is a place that's hotter than any other circle. And it's not a circle, it's just a special place that's hot at the hottest place in hell. And it's for the political and religious hypocrites. So in the 13th century, probably when he wrote that book, he realized what kind of people that is. And that's what kind of people were serving on that parole board at that time. They were political hypocrites. Senator Lyons summoned parole board members to a hearing in the wake of my televised news report about the release of the former death row inmates. The parole board did not notify the Dallas County Sheriff or District Attorney that Lopez was up for parole. Otherwise, they would have filed a formal protest to block the release of the triple killer. Inside the red granite Capitol building built in 1885 using inmate labor, Senator Lyon called the hearing to order on April 9th of 1991. Justice Committee will come to order. The clerk will call the roll. Lyon tore into the two parole board members who voted to free Lopez, especially Douglas Jew, the only member who interviewed Lopez face-to-face -face before approving the triple killer for parole. If you murder three police officers in Texas, all you're going to have to do is serve 16 years and you'll be out free. Why is that in the best interest of our society? Mr. Chairman, uh, personally, I share the same sentiments you have. Well, you're the one that let him out. Yes, you're the one that yes, signed sir. the release, and I want to know why. Chairman. Don't give me any bull about your sentiments. I want to know why he's out, why it's in the best interest of our society when a guy that kills three police officers. And you're the person that did it. Now, you tell me why it's in the best interest of our society. Mr. Chairman, I follow the guidelines that were set out by the law telling me what to do. One of the main considerations that I make as a board member is whether or not this person will be a danger to society if released into society. According to Lopez Prison Disciplinary Record, there was no sign of rehabilitation. A formal evaluation indicated that Lopez probably would not make it outside prison in what convicts call the free world. Yet, Ron Givens, a former member of the legislature appointed to the parole board by Governor Clements, argued Lopez had been rehabilitated. Grilled by Senator Lyon, Givens made a stunning admission. Uh, how bad do people have to be before you, I mean, how many people would he have to kill before you wouldn't let him out? Crude as it might be, Senator, you know we cannot keep everyone. If we see 10 people, we're letting eight of them go, Senator. I'm going to say the things that no one want to hear. The problem is we cannot keep everyone that we need to keep. If 
we could do that, this would be a perfect world, and there's no way I would have let this man out. For the lack of a better word, we are raking the bottom of the barrel, Senator. We must let these people go every day. We must let these people go. We have no choice, Senator. What no one knew in the Texas Senate hearing room that day, with the exception of the parole board chairman, was that serial killer Kenneth Allen McDuff had been released from the so-called bottom of the barrel amid allegations of bribery. McDuff was hunting down his female victims within a few blocks of the Texas Capitol in Austin where the hearing was taking place. A two-year-long murder spree was in full swing, and now you can hear our exclusive story about McDuff by subscribing to True Crime Reporter on your favorite podcast app. And you can join our True Crime fandom for additional information by texting TRUE CRIME to 33777. That's two words, TRUE CRIME to 33777. True Crime Reporter is a trademarked and copyrighted news show. It is an original co-production with podcast ad reps, hosted and written by me, Robert Riggs, Executive producer, Elizabeth Arnold. Audio production by Matt Stoker. Original music by Blair King. Associate producer, Siler Burr. Social media producer, Grace Woodward. Publicity, Tim Livingston, PR. Photography, Igor Kurgulots. Graphics, Brian David Kerr Designs. Special thanks to Gary Laverne, author of Bad Boy from Rosebud, The Murderous Life of Kenneth Allen McDuff. The audio recordings of the Senate Criminal Justice Committee hearings are courtesy of the Texas State Archives. Archive sound bites included in the episodes are from my original Reporter's Notebook tape recordings. And for our listeners who stayed to hear the credits, here's a little bonus. Melissa Northrup, she disappeared in the middle of the night. A vehicle was found 100 feet away or more, a tan Thunderbird. And the registration went back to Kenneth Allen McDuff. And when that, when those little facts were known, um, it so happened on that day that Mike and Parnell McNamara, who are our marshals in Waco, and they were two of my three best friends at the time, they were meeting me we we're going to go to lunch together. We went to lunch almost every day. And they walked down the steps. And I was coming to pick them up of the, at the federal building. And a young, new-to-town FBI agent happened in the same path and said to ask them, have you ever heard of Kenneth McDuff? And they said, good gosh, of course we have. What's happened? They, and the fellow said, well, his car was found nearby where this girl is missing, went missing a day or so ago. 